0: What is the gift economy? I figure this is an appropriate time to introduce this topic, although I've I've certainly spoken about it before in other forums, uh, but never on the podcast, I believe. Um, Well, this is the time of year when uh, we randomly give people stuff. That's not the gift economy. That's not what. People talk about when they speak of the gift economy normally. Um, the gift economy is something entirely different that is, in fact, the way the universe works normally. Now, human beings are not normal. As, as we know, there's a reason why we have this sort of dichotomy of thinking that, um, that humanity, that, that mankind is artificial, is, is not natural. I mean, of course we are. I mean, we're biological things. We function in the same environment and with the same laws of physics and biology and chemistry and that um, that all other things in the universe do. So, of course, we are natural. But we also have this sense of, of humanity doing artificial, unnatural things. <laughs> um, and that is, in a sense, what we do. Um, we are... We have this... Um, this fourth dimensional level of variability of freedom um you know it, it's it's what we tend to think of sometimes as free will which is this it's just another level of complexity it's another level of functionality of our individual structure that we can we can do things that other Individual things in the universe have not been able to do. Um, we can create things and destroy things, and and think of things um, and explore things that no other individual, animal, vegetable, mineral on the planet and in the universe, as far as we know, um, have been able to do. And that's what we that's what we call sometimes think of as the unnatural stuff the artificial sort of experimental stuff that that we human beings can do. And one of those things, one of the big things that is so artificial um, and so unnatural and so just out there, bizarre behavior, is that we've come up with this idea of the gamification of life itself. Um, and that game we otherwise know as, uh, the banking system, monetary system, uh, keeping score quite literally using numbers, using linear, uh, boring, old, (laughs) uh, real rational numbers. Um, and a lot of people don't, don't even realize that this is a game, but of course it is. Um, I mean, we, we even use the term rat race, uh, to talk about um, to talk about what we do as far as earning money, uh, this, this keeping score, you know, earning a number. Now, we all instinctively, as living beings, as biological beings, know that this is ridiculous. Um, and we know that the idea of games is a playful thing. And we all appreciate games, and and games are something that even non-humans play. In many instances, certainly all the social animals play games. Um, they do. Uh, uh, defining the term game is, is somewhat purposeless, I think. Um, other than we sort, it's sort of a sense of um, doing something that we know has fewer consequences than if we took something seriously, if it was a, not a game. This is not a game. You know, we say when, when we take something very seriously, when the outcome is life or death, or, you know, something terribly important that uh, must happen. Whereas in a game, you know, uh, as we hopefully say, you know, you don't take it so seriously that, you know, the the important thing is is how you play the game whether you're not you're enjoying yourself and you're you're exhibiting your best qualities as opposed to um you know trying your best doing your best as opposed to winning winning is not the the goal necessarily of, of a good game the goal is to even in um probably the most uh the most interesting dichotomy is the between the East and the West, as we know, as far as the, the East is very pro-social, um, at least as far as morality. Um, you cannot be happy unless the people around you are happy. And there've been studies, psychological studies about this, um, that the, the East, uh, you know, Asians, especially Chinese, um, Japanese are so indoctrinated into the idea of the the family unit the, the, the ethnocentric unit being the number one priority as opposed to the individual on the West side especially in the United States you know we have we've been indoctrinated with the idea that the individual is the absolute most important um, I mean of course we all know that you know the both are important, everyone is important. you know all the different levels are important, but this this sort of cultural morality norm um, that differentiates the two extremes of the, the United States and then China and Japan on the other side of the Pacific um, it it shows um, uh, in the games that we play, that the sort of the most famous uh, intellectual games that have come out of the East and the West, um, or I should say that are at least popularized in the East and West. Not that they don't play them in both places, but uh, the two different games are Go and Chess. The West is all about chess, which is all about the individual, and it's all about... Um, Everybody is different. All the individual pieces, except, of course, for the pawns, which we value very little, um, are very different and operate in different ways, and they're very individualistic. And the goal clearly is just trouncing the other person as fast as possible in as aggressive way as possible with as little creativity as possible, I should note. Um, the, the, the key to winning chess, which is why it was one of the first... Um, quote unquote intellectual games that computers won against humans um, is simply because chess is all about me- <laughs> the winners of chess. In the, the grandmasters, are literally all they do is memorize the possible outcomes and use those to their advantage. The more you can memorize the winning end games and how to get there, the more you win. And that's this that is literally the secret to chess. Uh, it is to to be a computer to you know memorize as far ahead as possible all the different outcomes and pick the one that's best for you and use those moves um whereas go uh which is very not popular in the united states not surprisingly um i have actually played it i had uh I, i briefly um dated a guy who was fascinated by Go, and he was actually in the a Go club, um, this little tiny place in the that was, <laughs> in Davis Square in Somerville, hidden in the depths of uh, I believe it was the Social Security Building, um, I, yeah, I think it was, um, just this this little hidden place that opened up expansively and had a whole bunch of people playing Go, um, and so I. I learn to play it a little bit. Um, and basically the goal of Go is to be as equal as possible um, throughout the game and to sort of savor the the creative, collaborative experience of sort of nurturing the game, actually allowing the game to explore um, the whole board and... Each individual piece being identical, as opposed to chess, and, but each piece being a valuable part of the whole and seeing the whole pattern, um, sort of the whole of society gets played out in this game. And it is not so much about competition, but about quality of the game, um, so I, I find that just fascinating. Um, but to bring this back to the game that we call, uh, <laughs> monopoly. And there's a reason if you go study the, uh, the history of the game monopoly invented by this woman who did not sell it. Uh, it's a fascinating history. I believe maybe radio lab did a version of it. And if I, if, if they did, I'll see if I can find a link to that. Um, but I know I heard it on some podcast, radio show, a couple of them, actually. Um, probably BBC did one, too, recently. Um, but the the actual game Monopoly, or as originally invented, was to teach people how stupid the banking system was and how antisocial and harmful it was um, to to have a goal of, you know, keeping score and com- competitive uh, scoring, whereas some people hoard and take as much as possible and everybody else gets very little. Um, or goes to jail. So anyway, um, the Monopoly system is a game that we naturally know, we instinctively know as living beings. It's it's. T- totally non-functional and totally unhelpful Um, because it's been taken seriously as opposed to being fun. Now, playing an actual Monopoly game is kind of fun for a little bit in the same way that playing tic-tac-toe is kind of fun for a little bit until you learn, you know, that it's just boring, actually. It doesn't, doesn't go anywhere. There's no, you know, there's no usefulness to it at the end other than bringing people together to do something. Um, So this is what I see as happening in the world. We are moving away from this idea of monopoly as a game of life, of the banking system and everything. And I know I've I've spoken about this before and heard about this before, but I wanna bring this specifically into the gift economy and introduced the term, the gift economy. Now, we know that um, the whole idea of an ecosystem is where individuals are free to function the way they're supposed to function you know each individual has its own abilities and skills and interests whether that's uh, whether the individual is an animal vegetable mineral whatever um, the minerals the the rocks they function in a certain way they do certain things and the worms function in a certain way and do certain things and the trees function in a certain way and do certain things and so on and so forth um, you know the the sun does certain things, and each individual thing outputs a certain kind of stuff, and inputs a different certain kind of stuff, and processes it in a different certain kind of way. Which means that um, in an ecosystem, the more diversity there is. The more your bases are covered, the more complex the system can be, and the more uh, different kinds of functions and individuals the system can support. You know, like a big puzzle, um, multi-dimensional, moving puzzle with gears and bits. More like a clock, perhaps a puzzle that's a clock that actually does stuff, moves in time and space. Well, this is this is what the gift economy is. It's nothing more complex. Or nothing more simple than a fully functioning system um, with multi-dimensional parts that do all kinds of different things. Now we know that um, the best things in life are free, right? Right? We say this. This is a this is a term that we're aware of, except that how many people have been taught to not believe it? We say this because in the sort of classic idea of comedy that it's a truth that we forgot or it's a truth that we weren't fully aware of and that needed to be brought to our attention. Um, Why do we even bother to say this when we know it except that we've forgotten it? And that makes us laugh and that makes us appreciate life and that makes us delight feel delightful. Um, The gift economy is about re-remembering this or re-realizing this. Why do we have this thing called inflation, for example? Um, This is the way that our universe is moving. Uh, We have experimented with this idea of a zero-sum game, a competitive game of monopoly, where there is a limited number, literal number of numbers (laughs) that we call money, um, in a certain system. Um, and there are different kinds of money numbers, just like in the game Monopoly. There are different denominations, and there are different colors of the pieces of paper of these numbers, um, but they're all in the same system. So, you know, whether it's a yen or a, a euro or a pound or a or a peso or a penny, whatever, um, Each each individual piece of money is is this artificially valued thing. And it goes down. Um, Money is worth less and less and less and less every year. This is inflation. And this is actually an interesting uh, thing to note, that, that we tend to think that there is no end in sight of this. But at some point, the value of money will be zero or... Less than not having money. So at some point, having a dollar, for example, will be less valuable than not having a dollar. It will be more valuable to give away your money. Uh, And you may say, oh, that's ridiculous. That will never happen. Well, it will. And if you think about it, that's true for pennies. In many countries, we've gone from a penny being extraordinarily valuable. I mean, think you know, 150 years ago or whatever. Um, you know, a penny was just something to covet, it wasn't gold, no, it was just a piece of metal, a round piece of metal that had a picture on it with maybe some words, whatever. Um, but it was very valuable in the system, the artificial economic system that they'd set up. It was highly valuable. Well, nowadays, many countries have not only realized that pennies are, they actually are less valuable than the metal that they're made out of. Uh, it costs more money in the United States to make a penny than, than a penny. Um, so many states, I mean, many countries have actually gotten rid of the penny. It's it's so not valuable, they have stopped using it. And in the United States, a lot of people, what do they do with their pennies? They They get rid of them. They donate them. They throw them away. They forget they exist. It is actually more valuable to get rid of your pennies than to keep them to many people. So... This has been proven to be true. What I have said, that the, the time will come when even a dollar, when even a hundred dollar bill, when even whatever amount of numbers you have in your bank account, uh, it's not even real money. They're just numbers. Um, whatever numbers you have of money, this, this artificial idea of money, um, it will be more valuable to give them away, to get rid of them, to ignore them, whatever, to just stop using them than having them. And th- this, this is slowly happening or possibly rapidly happening um, when we start to realize that, yes, indeed, the best things in life are free. What can you buy with money these days? Mostly crap. <laughs> Mostly it's Cheaply produced junk, which is what is happening in China. We're looking at poor China. Uh, it is their, their economic system and their, their value system and their work system is just becoming so extremely artificial and ridiculous and horrifying. Um, to the point where they have actually, you know, they're, they're self-destructive in the most extreme sense that they can't even breathe. In Beijing, um, and a similar thing is happening in India um, and in many countries. I mean, certainly we've gone through this in the United States and in London. Um, you know, but we, we see the effects of, of money on an ecosystem, which is destroying it, which is the more we focus on making money, which is what China is doing right now to an extreme um, The more we harm ourselves, the more junk we make, the more crap we make. So we're exchanging money for crap. And how long will it take us to realize that that it would be better off to get rid of all of this money? In one way or another, whether it's donating it or just ignoring it or throwing it away or just stopping using it. One of these options I see us doing more and more of and even look at you know um uh you know the the i forgot what they call it there's some group that that's sort of this moral system that got started um mostly in the u.s of philanthropists uh that the richest people in the world Agreeing to give away the majority of their money, and you know, we we see this all over the place with you know, with, um, Microsoft and Facebook and and Elon Musk and the Google people and Larry Page and Sergey Brin and and all of these these um, ridiculously hopelessly rich people who have it. rich in the sense of the monetary system as opposed to rich in the sense of everything else um although these people are are wealthy in the sense of actually enjoying their lives for the most part um being able to do what they want to do now um even if maybe in the past they were focused on on money um and now they're more focused on giving away their money um which is cool except of course you know the best things in life are free. So uh, those of us who have less money and focus more on getting things for free. And and what do I mean by getting things for free? Well, the gift economy. And I don't mean uh, the ridiculous idea of buying Christmas gifts and giving away all kinds of expensive stuff. Um, I was reading an article about, uh, it was a. a Sort of like a, a dear Abby, but to a psychologist uh, who works with families, especially with children, small children and teenagers. Um, I think it was Judith Orrin Hatch is her name. Um, and I kind of like her. She's pretty good, although she's a little she's still a little focused on traditional roles and power structures. Um, but she has some good ideas about, about things. And the article was a woman saying, you know, I I have a hard time not getting lots of presents for my children. You know, I go into the store and, and I think, oh, this, my child would love this. They, they should have this. They deserve, you know, good things. And so buying lots of expensive presents. And, and the advice was, you know, a little wishy-washy, but, you know, basically the advice was, you know, why not do things with your children instead? Why not, you know, focus on on the quality of their life as opposed to the stuff they have, the materialism. And we know this. We know that, you know, the the things that we need are not ridiculous junk from stores for the most part. The things we need are high quality food straight from the earth, straight from the, you know, nature. Um, the longer it sits in a store, the longer it takes to get around the world sitting in a, in a cargo hold somewhere in a truck, uh, the, the less quality something is, less value it has for us. Um, you know, food goes bad. And, and if they have to pick it unripe, then it has less quality to us. So the best things in life are literally the, the wild foods that we find or the, the foods that we've grown with our own you know, hearts and souls in our gardens and our neighbors and our friends and family, um, the communities that we nurture and grow and give to one another for free. And the same thing is true for everything that we need, whether it is a sweater, handmade, knit by someone we care about and given to us, or, um, you know, anything that, that people can make. You know, imagine putting together a computer and giving that computer as a gift. So you've taken all the parts and you've assembled it specifically for them. That would be so much more valuable than, you know, a computer off the shelf in a store, right? Well, that is our future. That is where we are heading, these customized, lovingly crafted, uh, hand-designed, hand-built, purposefully made for, not necessarily each individual, but certainly purposefully made for the types of individuals who will be using them. As opposed to this mass market stuff, which is make the cheapest stuff you can possibly make and hope that someone will buy it and if they if they don't try to scam them into buying it um, via manipulative advertising and whether that has to do with sales or or guilting you into it or making you think that you'll be popular and famous and so on and so forth um, the gift economy is all about. Allowing people the freedom to focus on creating the things that are most valuable to them to create. I mean, we all have this instinctive desire to create stuff. We all have this this need to play and to explore things and then to take the stuff that we've found and do something new and amazing with it. You might not think that this is true, but if you ever look at a small child, what do they love to do? They love to build stuff and make stuff and explore stuff and find stuff and share. They love to share. They love to say, you know, make food, make make a drawing, make a structure, make a story and give it away and share it with others. This is natural. This is how we are built, giving the gift of something valuable and meaningful and heartfelt and useful, of course. The older we get, the more we realize that we can make things that are not just beautiful and fun and meaningful, but are also very practical and effective. So we add on these levels of complexity that, you know, small children might not have. As we grow older, we, we learn how to make our drawings and our structures and our food a little more practical. Um, so we don't make, you know, mud pies. We make, you know, uh, real food that people can eat that is not just fun and has the word pie in it. <laughs> um so yes, the gift economy. This is what the gift economy is. It is us being free to make the things that we find most meaningful and put the love and the the intellectual skill and everything that is the best of us into what we put out there, to have this freedom to do that and then have that stuff literally being free out in the world flowing freely and as opposed to trying to put some arbitrary quantified number on it, and playing a game Monopoly where it gets stuck in the system and things can't flow freely. So this is the gift economy. The gift economy is simply being aware that the best things in life are free, and that the the tic-tac-toe, chess playing, quantification, video game thing that it is Monopoly is certainly something that can be fun if we don't take it seriously. But as soon as we take it seriously, it mucks things up and means that things are losing value. And as we are seeing in inflation with money, that sooner or later, when you have money, it will be less valuable than getting rid of that. In some way, donating it, forgetting about it, stopping using it, ignoring it, whatever. So that's what I leave you with. That's my gift to you. The idea of the gift economy and the way that we are moving as a society towards removing the gamification, the zero-sum quantification of life as a serious thing and instead embracing a free economy. I'll leave you with that, and I wish you all the best in the new year, upcoming, and all the best for the holiday season, which is coming to an end for 2015, and it has been a fascinating year as far as I'm concerned, and I wish you all the best, and a beautiful 2016. If you'd like to get in touch with me, my email is thewiseturtle at gmail.com. And you can also check me out on the blog if you haven't already been there, which is where this podcast is hosted, which you can get to by going to turl.org, T U R I L dot O R G, uh, which sends you to my WordPress blog. And you can also find me on Reddit, where my username is also turl, T U R I L, which is my name. And my name is Turl Kronberg, Turl Sweden Kronberg, if you weren't aware of that, which is fascinating. And kind of bizarre and sort of silly. And I wish you well. Namaste. Bye.